here together. We can sing it out. We can cry it out. We can shout it out. Lord, right now, I just ask that you will be with us as we prepare our hearts for the message. Be with Charles. With Bobby Gupta as we hear what they have to say. And Lord, let us just receive it and know that it's your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And please be seated. You know, I want to start with this, this sobering comment made by a pastor and an author named David Platt, and he writes these words. He says, mark it down. There will always be a price to pay for believers who do not worship the idols of this world. Life will not be easy in this world when you fight the idolatry of this world, plain and simple. He, he makes a statement, you know, anyone who has been following Jesus for any length of time knows that this is true, that, that, that believers, that followers of Jesus, there's a, co- there's a cost involved. There, there's a bit of a price to pay for following Jesus. I have not chosen to follow Jesus because I think it's going to be the easy road to take. I don't think it's going to be problem-free. I don't think it's going to be just this cakewalk. That's not why I chose to follow Jesus. And, and, and many times throughout Scripture, we see the call for Christ followers to endure, to remain faithful. And why is that? Why that call? Why is it at times that, that we as Christ followers, as genuine Christ followers, why do we find that living for Jesus isn't so easy? Why do we find at times that as genuine Christ followers, that we experience these these spiritual conflicts in our life. Why is that? Well, I think the answer to that question is found very clearly throughout Scripture, but nowhere as clear as Revelation chapter 12 and 13 that we're going to spend some time in today. And for a few minutes, I just want to take a moment to kind of give you an overview, just a broad stroke view of what these two chapters are involving, because in just a moment... We're going to have Dr. Bobby Gupta from the Hindustan Bible Institute in India joining us to share a a bit of a color commentary on how these two chapters, 12 and 13, really play out, not just in India, but around the world today and what that looks like. But before we hear from him, let's let's just get a glimpse of these two chapters. And, And simply put, these two chapters show us a cosmic conflict going on between God and between Satan. And it's in these two chapters, 12 and 13, in this conflict that we're introduced to two characters, two of of Satan's human evil accomplices. They're exposed. And as a result, we are faced with a choice that we're either going to follow Jesus or we're not going to follow Jesus. That choice becomes very much clear, and it becomes very hard as well. So this chapter, it begins with a woman who is giving birth to a son, and that son is, is Jesus. And then we're introduced to something the Bible describes as an enormous red dragon, which is Satan. In fact, Satan is represented as a dragon 13 times throughout the book of Revelation. And we see here that the dragon's attempt to destroy this baby, 
Jesus is foiled. He fails in his attempt. He fails in his attempt to keep Jesus from bringing salvation to the world. He fails. And as a result of this failure, he's angry and prideful. And his hatred towards God and God's people grows and grows. In fact, it goes on in chapter 12 to say these words. It says, A dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children and all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. The bottom line here is that Satan seeks to unseat Christ and he seeks to be the undoing of every single Christ follower around the world. That is you and me. And then and, and yet, and yet we are called to remain faithful and to endure. In fact, it goes on, and these words prepare us for chapter 13. It says, A dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. See, John is using this poetic imagery in chapter 12 and in 13 to describe that out of the sea it comes chaos. There's a beast, the first of two beasts that appear in chapter 13. And this first beast is the Antichrist, a a, a human being under complete power, under complete influence by Satan himself. And he is, is, is desiring people from all around the world to come and to worship him because of the miracles and the power he displays. In fact, it goes on to say this, that I saw one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worshiped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight him? You know, it's true. For a limited time, and only as God allows this counterfeit Christ, he will, he will lure people from around the world to himself and demand worship. And followers of Jesus Christ may lose their lives in resistance. But spiritually, but spiritually, we can never be harmed. Never be harmed because we have been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. But then we see a second beast appeared, a second counterfeit Holy Spirit called the false prophet. And now we see that the unholy trinity is truly fully intact. We see Satan, we see the Antichrist, and we see the false prophet all together, complete. In fact, in chapter 13, it goes on to say that he, the false prophet, exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and his people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. This false prophet appears to be good, appears to be doing good things, appears to be powerful, bringing even even the the first beast back to life, but these are a deception. His goal and only goal is to pull Christ's followers away from following Christ and towards worshiping him. In fact, it's this second beast, the false prophet, who, who goes a step further and, 
and makes everyone, whether rich or poor, whether young or old, they'll receive what, what the Bible calls a mark of the beast. Now, I'm not going to go into that today because we're going to talk a little bit more about that in depth in a couple of weeks, so hang on for that. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to say too much about that today, but in chapters 12 and 13, it's clear that, yes, they are talking about future things, but it's not just about future things. It's about things that are here and now because spiritual conflict doesn't just happen in the future. You and I as Christ followers know that spiritual conflict is happening today, here and now. There is a cost following Jesus Christ. And so today, here and around the world, there's what Jesus and John both said, the spirit of the Antichrist. Not the capital A Antichrist, he is not here yet, but the spirit of the Antichrist, that means anyone, any message, any group that seeks to pull believers and followers of Jesus Christ away from him, that, that seeks to stand opposed to Christ and his message. That spirit is present among us today in a real way. In fact, these words from Revelation 13 have never been more important that say anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will, take, will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. But then this encouragement comes. John says this means that God's holy people, you and I, must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. That's the call. The call to endure, the call to remain faithful, and that call to endure and to remain faithful is the call to every single Christ follower here and around the world. And no one has seen this, I think, more than than Dr. Bobby Gupta, and that's why I'm so glad that he is here with us today. And of course, he couldn't be live at all three of our campuses, so we are going to join him this morning as he is live at our Sandusky campus. So let's jump into that this morning if we can, if we're ready. Good morning, Chapel. What a joy it is for me to be here all the way from India to share with you on this very significant event as we go through the book of Revelation. I have been so blessed to be able to be part of the studying process and just learning even as we go through this. And I praise God that each of your pastors that have taken you through this uh, chapter 12 and chapter 13 in preparation and has brought you all through this study, I trust that you are beginning to put your arms around it and be able to understand that God is trying to help us understand how to be prepared for the emergence of difficult times in our life. The last 18 months have not been easy months for most of us. There have been months of difficult times. There have been months of uncertainty. There have been months in which we have not sure what is going to happen next. But what this passage is really talking about is times of difficulty that are really, really dealing with the persecution of those who have made the choice to become followers of Jesus Christ. And those who have become followers of Christ must understand that Jesus promised us that we, if they have persecuted him, 
we should anticipate and expect persecution in our lives. And you know, this morning, what I want to talk about as we begin to come through this journey is two very significant ideas that Christ is bringing through John to us about how do we respond to difficult times in our life? How do we respond to uncertainty? How do we respond to persecution that may come to us? How do we respond to injustice that we may experience as we walk through this time? And I'm sure each of you should understand, as your pastors have been teaching you this book, that it's not about the future, but it is even about today, because we have to remain faithful to the end. And even as we walk through these passages of Scripture, it's so important. And the two ideas I want to talk to you is about endurance and faithfulness. Let me say those words again, endurance and faithfulness. But before I get there this morning, I want to say thank you, church, for being investors in my life and the ministries that God has called us to be part of in India. Your church has faithfully supported us and both my wife and I are so thankful to you. And I want to say thank you. We could not have been able to do what God has called us to do except for your faithfulness in the ministry of the chapel. And because you gave, they were able to support us. And we want to say thank you. But this morning, I want to get back to those two words, endurance and faithfulness. Many times in my journey, I myself had to ask myself, am I ready to throw in the towel? When things become difficult, when things are great stress upon me, there were many times I had to say to myself, I want to throw in the towel. But I want to share with you three powerful stories of people who have sustained themselves in the ministries of HBI as a result of their relationship to Jesus Christ. You and I have a relationship to Christ, and because we have this relationship, we can walk with the Lord, we can talk with the Lord, and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of His Word, and the presence of the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the impossible. And so this morning, I want us to understand that it's so important. The first story I want to share is the story of my father. You know, my father grew up in a Hindu home. He was a worshiper of many, many, many idols. And because he worshiped many idols, he was thinking that he was going to have an ultimate hope of going to become God and be with God. Till one day his father caught him stealing money and said, there's no hope for you. And as he began to pursue that transformation in his life, he realized how hopeless he was. His religion said he had to break the coconuts, climb the mountains, do all the things that was good so that he would gain the righteousness of God, only to find out no matter how much he did it, his mind remained the same, his heart remained the same. Till he heard a missionary that stood in front of his house and said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And you know, my father... He had always heard that the Hindu gods came to save righteous people, but destroy evil. But you know, for the first time he said, I heard a God that came to save sinners. I'm a sinner. I want to know it. And when he 
got the Bible and read the Bible and came to understand, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of our works, but it's a gift of God. He embraced Christ, and in that he came into a relationship. But you know, the moment he came to know Christ and was invaded by God's word and God's presence and God's power, his life was so transformed, he couldn't keep it quiet. And you know what happened? He started to tell everybody about it. And in the process of telling everybody, you know what his father said to him, son, you have accepted the gods of the untouchable people. We will not allow you to worship Jesus Christ. You have to stop telling, and you cannot tell anybody that you have become a Christian. And my dad said, it's true. How can I be quiet? And you know, he couldn't stay quiet. So because he kept telling everybody, they decided they had to end his life. They were going to poison And when that happened, his dad, don't eat your food today. If you eat it, you won't see tomorrow. And when that happened, his dad was so upset because if he continued the road he was walking, their whole family would have got kicked out of the village. And so they said to him, son, you got to leave home. You know, my dad did not know what to do. He just opened his Bible. And when he opened his Bible, he looked at Romans. And in Romans, the Apostle Paul makes this statement. If God spared not his only begotten son, how will he not give you all things freely? And you know, my dad took that as a promise from God. And I want to say to you, you want to endure hardship. You want to endure persecution. You want to be faithful to the end. Somehow, through an intentional discipline that you develop, you need to get to that place in your life where you begin to read the Word of God, but internalize it, memorize it. Get to the place where God's Word is coming alive inside of you. Because the more God's Word comes into us, the greater will be our ability to remain faithful, to endure hardship. And you know, my dad put his Bible under his arm, took back a, 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 a pot of water that was next to him, and he said to his dad, Dad, I gotta go. And he left, only to find how faithful our God is. He never let my father down. My dad never lost a moment when God didn't take care of him. From the moment he left home to the moment he entered into the presence of God, God was faithful to him. And the other side of that coin was my dad never lost perspective. It didn't matter how much of persecution he went through, how much of hardship, God was with him and he was faithful to God. And I want to say that because he internalized God's word, he endured hardship. The second story I want to share with you is really a story of a very, very interesting man who absolutely cannot read. If he took a newspaper and he tried to read it, he couldn't. But you know, every time he opened his Bible, every time he opened his Bible, it was as if the Bible was being played in his mind and he was reading and hearing the scripture. And this man became one of the greatest barefoot church planters that we had trained at HBI. He was acknowledged by the government as an individual who needs to represent his community, and he was the liaison between the government and his community. And so everybody respected him. 
And he loved God so much and he came so true to understanding the word of God that he lived his life by faith. And he never kept his mouth quiet. He had to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. And so he would go from village to village as a church planter to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he got to one of these villages one day and he was preaching over there, a group of people came to him and said, we don't want to know about Jesus Christ. We don't want you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in our village. Please don't come to our village again. They tied him around the street, beat him up physically, and when he could hardly breathe, they let him drop down and said, if you come back to this village, you know what we will do? We will kill you. Simhadri went back to his village. And in a couple of weeks, he came back fearlessly to stand up and preach the gospel. I can imagine what went through his mind. God saying, how will those people who have not heard the gospel come to know me and worship me? Will you go back? And Simadri went back to that village, knowing that they were going to beat him up and kill him. This time when he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the guy came and he put a gun to his head and said, if you don't stop, I'm going to pull the trigger. The man looked at him, smiled at the guy and said, hey, you can pull the trigger if you want to. He tried, in fact, it didn't blow. And he continued to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That man was mad and angry and he went back home and Simahadri went to his home. But a week later, an interesting thing happened. The guy that had the trigger on him came and knocked at his house. And he said, sir, I want you to come. I've heard you preach. I know what you preach about Jesus, but I hear that you say that he can help the sick to get well. My son is dying. Will you come, please? And will you pray for my son? So he went with him and he prayed and his son was made whole. Isn't that amazing? When we endure persecution and we allow God to be God, and we remain faithful to him to the end, what God does is he puts his hand upon us. Nobody can do anything to us. You may think your job is at stake. You may think it's a difficult time. You may think of uncertainty that you're going through. You may think of the difficulties that are happening, and you may be ready to throw in the towel. I want to say to you, Simhadri never threw in the towel. My dad never threw in the towel. And because of that, you know what happened? Simhadri's looked at that man and that man's son got well and he said, I have 13 other friends. And you know what? I want you to come and speak to them. And they became the heartbeat of the birth of that church. And today there's a vibrant church in that village. God is able to do more than we can think or even ask of if we are ready to be faithful to the end. One last story. And this last story is about understanding our call from God. And when we understand our call, we know that no matter what happens to us, we can trust in the Lord. Now, every one of you listening and sitting in this church, I want you to understand that you're no ordinary individual. You have a call from God, and the moment in the day you decided to become followers of Jesus Christ, God has a purpose for your life. One of the guys that I want to talk to you about this morning, his name is M.A. Thomas. He was a student 
And in the early 60s, he and a group of five others made a choice that nobody else would have made in their normal sense. My father was preaching, and he shared with them that there is a group of people in a state in India that are constantly persecuting the saints and refusing to let the gospel of Jesus Christ be preached. And he said to them, how will these people hear that? And you know, M.A. Thomas and his friends that had walked together the previous year stood up and said, we are willing to dedicate our lives to go to Rajasthan and preach the gospel. Soon people began to write and ask, what insanity you have to go to Rajasthan to preach the gospel where they're persecuting the saints. You must be madmen. And they said, if they do not know and do not hear, how will they believe and how will they come to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And so we want to be the ones who are willing to give our lives to suffer and die so that those people will have the gospel of Jesus Christ. An amazing statement he made. One of the guys looked at him and said, yeah, M.A., last time when you walked from Chennai to Kerala, your family didn't have a baby, none of your kids. But now you're getting ready to go and you have a newborn. What if this newborn absolutely dies on the way when you're walking? And they said to him, guys, we'll dig up a hole, we'll lay the baby, we'll bury them. And I may looked at him and said, if I buried all of them and I was the last one to walk to Rajasthan and I, all I did was to place a tract on the ground of Rajasthan, you know what would happen? I would consider our mission complete, and it was successful. Amazing. They didn't have to walk to Rajasthan. They were able to go because everybody heard the story, and they began to send the resources so that this team can go. But the only challenge was when they got to Rajasthan in 17 days, M.A. Thomas and his team were thrown into prison. His head was cracked, and all he sent was sent a telegram was to say, pray for us, we are in prison. We do not know what to do, and I remember my mom and dad gathering people together, sending out the word, and everybody was calling for people to pray. Amazingly, you know what? Forty years later, this man had done a mission that was beyond anybody's imagination. God took the five people, they fired in five different locations of the state of Rajasthan. They began to do ministries that were concerned about the spiritual welfare of people. They were concerned about the social welfare of people. They were concerned about the education of the kids. They were concerned about the health of people. And they were doing medical work, they were doing proclamation of the gospel, multiplication of churches. And today, Rajasthan, has many more churches than they would ever have had if these two, these five guys never went to Rajasthan today. But the bottom line is, they had to come to a place in their life where they would endure hardship. And church, it's very, very important to understand this. That word endured is a very, very important word. It's like, you know, when you have a, a, a door that is held by a spring, and you're trying to walk through it, and it's putting pressure on you, and you're having to endure the pressure that's coming upon you, 
But in order to get and clear it, you have to endure the pressure, move your ways through it, and be able to get on the other side. As we begin to walk this life with Jesus Christ, it's so important to understand it's not an easy life. It is not without some challenges that we are going to face. It's not without pressure that's going to come upon us. But what God is looking at, will I endure this hardship? And will I stay faithful to the end? And what John is calling us to, he's calling us to a life of faithfulness. He's calling us to a life of hardship. And in God is saying to us, guys, what I want you to do is to realize, anticipate difficulties as a follower of Jesus Christ. But don't ever throw in the towel because I am sovereign. I am the true and the living God. I will never let you. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what happens, if you will trust in the Lord, he will help you to endure hardship. Remember, it's the internalization of God's word. It's the ability to actually allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in you so that you do not give up and run away. And it's the ability to have a clear vision in your mind so that no matter what happens, you're going to say, I'm going. And if I am persecuted, it doesn't matter. I am going to trust the Lord. And then you watch God put his hand upon you. Will you do that, church? The question is, are you willing to endure hardship and stay faithful to the end? Amen? God be with you all, and God bless you. Have a wonderful week as you walk through this journey. Bye-bye. And isn't Bobby awesome? I am encouraged by him, challenged by him. I hope you are too. And, it, you know, it is clear from Revelation chapter 12 and 13 that we are going to face hardships, persecution, challenges. That is without a doubt. I, can, I don't know much, but I can guarantee us that. But I can also say that, it, yes, being a follower of Jesus Christ is difficult at times. But is it worth it? Yes. It is worth it because of an amazing Savior. One who, who didn't just say, hey, I want you to endure and be faithful and then leave us. One who demonstrated that so perfectly with his life. From the beginning to the end, he walked a road marked with persecution, and yet he remained faithful all the way to the cross where he gave his life so that we could be made right with God. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could be made right with Christ, with God. That is an incredible truth, one worthy to remember, one worthy to give thanks to today. And so in a moment, we are going to take communion together. And, and I, just, I want to encourage you as we do, just for a moment, just for a moment to, to take 
a time to speak to the Lord just from the quietness of your own seat. And in that time, admit to him, Lord, I need you. That there is nothing you could do apart from him. There's nothing you could do to be good enough as Bobby shared. There isn't enough stuff you can do to earn your way that it is only through Jesus Christ that we can have salvation. Acknowledge your need for him and let him know that now. Take a moment to do that. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the It says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So Lord Jesus, we do this together now, remembering you. Let's take this. As we prepare to take the cup together, I wonder once again, take a moment from where you're seated, and, and I want to encourage you to thank God for the salvation that we have through the gift of Jesus Christ. Take a moment to thank Him for what He has done. But not only that, as I wonder if you would also take a moment before we take this cup to, to just even re-up in your relationship with him. Re-up to say, you know what, Lord, even when it gets difficult, even when I feel persecuted for my faith, I will, Lord, remain faithful. I will endure because, Jesus, you have been faithful. How can I not? So take a moment now with him and have that conversation. Where sin runs your grace is full, where grace is found, is where you are, and where you are, Lord, I am free, holiness is Christ in me.
They said in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take that together. Lord Jesus, we do take this time to remember what you've done. Remember not only what you've done and the promises, Lord, that you have already fulfilled, but the ones that are yet to come, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your son, for the gift of salvation that is found only through him. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness, for your love, for your goodness. in your name I pray, amen. Hey, um, I think it's only appropriate that we kind of finish. Let's, let's, let's declare that together and worship as we join Leslie and then Pastor Mark is going to dismiss us. So let's join Leslie in singing this. To teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my Take a seat for a moment. But what a powerful reminder that we need to expect hardship, but that it's our challenge to endure and to remain faithful. What a great challenge to me and I hope to you today as well. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Bobby. In fact, if you want to know more about Bobby and HBI and his ministry and what God is doing in India, um, out in the atrium, you see there's a lot of different things going on, but one of them, um, is a table um, that just um, somebody's going to be there answering questions for you, telling you more about Bobby. And in fact, actually, um, they have a book out there too that, in a, um, for exchange for a donation, you can get that tells a little bit more about Bobby's dad and his story 
that he mentioned as part of the message. So I want to encourage you to stop by and find out. But more than anything, continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in India and the hardship that they have to endure. Now today you saw that we've done things a little bit different. And so um, before you leave and before I'm going to dismiss you, I just want to give you a couple of updates, things for you to know. Um, one of them is that, man, if you are a first-time guest or this is the first time in a long time that you have come back, let me just say a special welcome to you. I know it takes some courage to walk into a building with a bunch of strangers, and we're just glad that you are here. And could you do me a favor? Simply text the word guest to the number on the screen and stop out at the Welcome Center or fill out one of the Connect cards um, that you received on the way in. We just love to know that you are with us. And if you do, we're actually going to give some Bibles to families in India on your behalf, simply by you being here. And we have a gift out at the Welcome Center for you as well. So stop by there. We have some amazing volunteers answering any questions you may have. Now, for our church regulars, there's a couple other things I want you just to be aware of as we leave. And one of them is um, actually just a big thank you. Thank you to all of you that already said yes to our Chapel Kids Ministry. Here at the chapel, we value equipping our next generation, and we can only do that if we have helpers to help. And our last few weeks, we've been really overwhelmed by so many of you stepping up and saying, hey, I'm going to serve over the summer just one time in our kids' ministry. And um, as we're wrapping up the summer, they still have a couple of free options for you to jump on that opportunity. And so out in the atrium, you find a display that has uh, different opportunities, instructions on how to fill up. And all they're asking us is just saying, hey, can you serve one more time would love to fill up those spaces so go out there let them know when you're available and our team will follow up with you so we truly can then invest into our next generation and then last but certainly not least on august 10th we have our next renewed women's gathering coming up and um, i had the privilege to go to the last one and it's truly been amazing and this one is going to be on taming the tongue okay so women i know you want to send your husbands to that one but this one is truly for you, okay? So make sure you mark that down, August 10th um, at our Sandusky campus. Uh, Pastor Eric and his wife Paula are gonna co-teach that message, truly helping us taking that one step closer to God. So make sure you take advantage of that opportunity. But I wanna close our service in the benediction that we have been saying in the book of Revelation. Um, and so why don't we just all stand up together and let's say the benediction to each other right out of Revelations 1 verse 4. Let's say this together. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Thanks so much for being here. Have a wonderful Sunday. You are dismissed.